Hello, I'm Tim Swindle, director of the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Today, I'm talking with Laird Close, a professor at the University of Arizona's Department of Astronomy. And Laird, you're a specialist in adaptive optics. Could you tell us what is adaptive optics? So adaptive optics is, uh, well, it's kind of like magic if you, if you didn't know about it ahead of time. It's, it's, it's a fascinating new technology that astronomers are using to remove the blurring atmosphere uh, that's, of course, between us and the heavens. So when astronomers look at a star, what they see with a big telescope is just a blurry kind of blob. And that's because of hot and cold air mixing in the atmosphere. So what that means is we can't see the heavens as clearly as they really are. And one solution to that is to put telescopes into space, like the Hubble Space Telescope. Another way to approach it is this technique of adaptive optics that we do really well here at the University of Arizona. And in a nutshell, how it works is you have a mirror and the mirror actually changes its shape a thousand times each second. And it knows exactly how to warp itself to remove the warping that the atmosphere puts into the image. It's kind of like having these perfect glasses that you put on your face and the glasses change their shape a thousand times a second so that everything you see is perfectly in focus. Now, is it the big mirror that uh, they make at the mirror lab, the sort of thing, the eight meter mirror that you're deforming, or is it something else? Well, no, it's, it's because the 8-meter mirror is huge and weighs hundreds of tons. It's very hard to move quickly. So we, we re-image uh, an image made by that big mirror onto a small mirror, say uh, a little mirror that goes above the primary mirror, the little secondary mirror, as we call it. And that mirror can move, uh, because it's much smaller, say in our case, 85 centimeters across. We can move that, and it's very thin. It's only 1.6 millimeters thick. So that's, that's a very thin, and it's 85 centimeters across. So it's, it's got a very big, what we call aspect ratio. And that allows us to move it very, very quickly, a thousand times a second. And so the two mirrors work together to gather a whole bunch of photons with the great big mirror, and then the little mirror makes the photons all nice and sharp. So the astronomers enjoy perfect space quality images, but from the ground. So how good an image can you get with adaptive optics, like compared to Hubble? So the Hubble Space Telescope is 2.4 meters in size. And our telescope that we use, uh, built, of course, here at the University of Arizona, is 6.5 meters in size. And believe it or not, the uh, resolution of a telescope is just proportional to the size of its primary mirror. So we're, we can make images that are about three times sharper than Hubble, but in fact, due to some issues with the adaptive optics technology not being quite perfect, it's typically we can make images that are a factor of two sharper than the Hubble Space Telescope. But remember, it's a lot less expensive than the Hubble Space Telescope, and we're making images that are twice as sharp. And that really helps us discover new things. What kind of new things have you been discovering recently? Well, last year we had a kind of an exciting discovery. Um, one of the things about adaptive optics is you need to look at something kind of bright in the sky so you know exactly how to change the shape of your mirror so you get full correction. So we are looking at a bright star in the uh, Southern Cross, actually. So this is a telescope that's located in Chile, so we can look at the Southern Cross. And uh, we looked at the star. It's called HD 106906. And what we discovered was a planet orbiting around the star. We could use the adaptive optics to make the starlight really, really sharp, and that allowed us to see something really, really faint right beside the star. And that was this interesting new planet, which we called HD 106906b, because it's the first planet found around that star. 
And what's neat about that planet is it turns out to be very, very far away from its star, 650 AU astronomical units away from its star. So that's 650 times bigger than the Earth-Sun distance and about 20 times bigger than our entire solar system. So what makes that strange that you have a planet that far out? Well, I, I guess what's interesting is that this planet is, is probably about 10 times the mass of Jupiter. So it's difficult for anyone that uh, studies how star, uh, how star formation and planet formation works to understand how you could assemble such a big planet so far away from this star. So it was a real mystery when we published the paper last year. In fact, the lead author was Vanessa Bailey, who was a graduate student at the University of Arizona's astronomy department. And uh, there's a very exciting discovery. What's neat is because of the uh, enigma and the mystery of how this planet was formed so far away from its star, further researchers looked into it. And in France, actually, a group of researchers discovered that it's not just one star that the planet's going around, it's actually a binary star. And that binary star enabled uh, the system to basically eject or throw that uh, large planet way, way, way out into the outer part of that solar system. So we, so it's kind of a neat, uh, it's a neat example of how nature can make very, very big solar systems by uh, making the inner part of the solar system a double star system, a binary, a little bit more bound, and in that process eject that low mass planet way out to the uh, far, far suburbs of that solar system. So that was a neat discovery that was done last year with the system. And is that the latest that you have? Well, one thing that's particularly topical that's just sort of coming out is um, one of the big mysteries. We now know about 2,000 different planets around other stars. So these are so-called extrasolar planets. And of the 2,000, about 10 or 15 we've actually made images of. But even of those, we've taken no pictures of a star that's actually in the process of forming a planet. I mean, it's kind of an interesting mystery. We we know there's planets out there. We're just not sure how they're made. And we really don't have a very good idea, and it's quite a big mystery. One of the greatest uh, possibilities for understanding how these planets are made is to cap capture them, to actually make uh, photographs, if you will, with adaptive optics of the planets in the formation process. And that's one of the things that we've been recently doing with my adaptive optic system called MEG-AO, Magellan AO system. And we're using that system to take pictures of very young stars that are in the process of making young planets. And we've recently had some success uh, actually taking the first photographs of a forming planet around a star. And this is telling us a lot about actually how planets, and these are large planets like Jupiter, form. And I understand that you just had some new results that came out in the journal Nature. Oh, yes. No, that's, that's right, Tim. And yeah, yeah, no, this is exactly along those lines. So what we were able to determine is that, uh, you know, so, you know, a large planet like our own Jupiter is mainly made out of gas. That's why that's called a gas giant. It's mainly made out of hydrogen and helium gas. And what we were able to do with the uh, Magellan Adaptive Optics System is actually take photographs of hydrogen and helium gas falling onto the young baby planet. And as this hydrogen and helium gas flows onto this planet, it gets really, really super hot as it slows down when it hits the surface of the planet. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, think when anything actually crashes onto the surface of the Earth, a tremendous amount of energy is released. And it's the same for the flow of gas onto the planetary surface. And so this creates a lot of heat. Through this heat, a lot of light is generated. 
uh, particularly at a very special wavelength called hydrogen alpha, which is about uh, 0.65 microns. It's, it actually looks like sort of a dark red light to our eyes. So this is real visible light that you could see with your own eyes. Of course, if you had an adaptive optics enabled eyeball anyways. Um, but what we were able to do, and this is really neat, is we were able to actually see uh, this planet literally under construction uh, by, by its host star as gas and I guess some dust was flowing onto its surface. And this was the first proof we have that planets go through a phase where they can become, in fact, 10,000 times brighter as they're accreting this hydrogen helium gas. And this is very exciting because it was theorized that uh, this is how you build gaseous planets, but no one's ever observed the process before. And so now we really have a bit of an understanding of how planets are actually constructed by Mother Nature. And it's always nice to see your theories actually confirmed. <laughs> yes, yes. And hopefully we'll learn a whole bunch more about how the fine-tuning of the process actually works. This is Tim Swindle, director of the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory at the University of Arizona, and you've been listening to Arizona Science. My guest has been Laird Close, professor in the Department of Astronomy. Thank you, Laird. Thank you, Tim.